Hello everyone, this is Jeff with 10 Drift. Our episode today is brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Patrol. And if you would like to be a sponsor on an upcoming episode, it's just a dollar to get your mention at the beginning. On today's episode, we have Tyler Berry for you. He is competing in his first pro- program this year with East 10 Drift. Let's get to it. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Uh, so what was your, in general, first car? Like not even first drift car. What kind of car did you first start driving with? Uh, let's see. My first car that I had when I was 16 was a car that was kind of passed through the family. Um, it was a 1999 BMW 323. Okay. So not not a bad car at all to have as a first car. I've definitely no. known of people to have worse. And whenever I heard passed through the family, I'm like, oh, so you got like some 80s Volvo that uh, <laughs> just managed to still be running somehow. No, I think by the time I had gotten it, my st- it was my stepmom's. And I think by the time I had gotten it, we had already had it for maybe six years, seven years in the family. And it got passed from my stepmom to my stepsister. And then she wanted another car. So I got that one. And That's cool. But yeah, it was a fun car. <laughs> Did you get, have any fun modding, modding it at all or just driving the piss out of it until it felt fall apart? Or You know, the only things I did to it was lowering springs and put a set of wheels on it that was all i did because i wasn't like huge into modifying cars back then but as i got a little older i started putting like i ended up tinting the taillights and the headlights and doing that cool stuff just blacking the whole car out and then i don't know i i just kind of felt like i was wasting my money modifying that car so i just quit Fair just enough. drove it, enjoyed it. Nice little street car to have or daily driver even. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so what got you into drifting in general? Oh man. Uh, it goes back to like 2012 when Easton drift was kind of fresh. Okay. Uh, of course I, we'd all seen the Tokyo drift movies and <laughs> it was like, Oh, how do you do that? And, I had never really been into drifting. Like I'd seen it on TV, but it was like one of those shows where you just pass it up. It's like, it's not fun. It's not cool. I don't want to listen to these Japanese guys talk. And so I went out to a East 10 drift event in 2012. And I was like, you know, I want to take a ride. So I went out, took a ride along and just the feeling of it was what made me fall in love so quick. Um, I don't know, just sitting in a car where I thought the guy was going to spin out, but he just kept it and matted it just to get even more sideways. And that was what you wanted to do as opposed to drive straight or grip up and go around cones or something. I thought it was just something really cool. So it's definitely a weird feeling knowing that you're having to throttle steer essentially like your whole world's being turned in reverse for how you learn how to drive fast. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's what did it for me. I mean, just that feeling that you're talking about is just what did it for me. It's, it's a skill and to watch somebody use that skill. It's like, wow, yeah. I would say if that guy was hydroplaning in his car, I would be safe. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> what kind of car you were in? It was a, um, I don't know if you've heard of Aaron Algren. I have not. Um, he's a local guy. He was back whenever they first started out at East End drift, but he had a, uh, uh, 240 kooky okay. with a VQ engine swapped into it. Nice. 
So it was a really cool looking car and that's what attracted me to that one. So I know there's a guy that I've been seeing running. Uh, he's been at Clarksville a couple times. Uh, Tommy Coldwaters has a VQ swap 240. That's pretty. Oh, sweet. okay. Um, it looks like a fun little car, and it's one of the better sounding VQs I've heard in my life. Yeah, um, it's hard to get past the raspiness of VQs. Oh man, that pure trumpet noise out of a lot of them. <laughs> um, I don't want a high school band following a drift car. <laughs> yep. Man. So you're competing in East 10's Pro-Am this year, right? Correct. Is this your first Pro-Am that you've competed in or? Yes. Awesome. So what got you convinced to try and take it a little bit further going into the Pro-Am this year? Uh, well, uh, when I first started building my car, I was building it as just kind of a, a fun, I want to go out on the weekend and slide around with all these goofballs and then I, like after the first two or three events, I started getting more comfortable with the car and like I was, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn here, speaking of horns, but like people were coming up to me and asking me how long I've been driving. It's like, well, this is only my third event. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's I just started. <laughs> and they were like, well, you are, you, it looks like you've been doing this for a couple of years. And I'm like, well, Maybe I possess a skill that I didn't know I had. So I started building the car up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and eventually started driving with like some of the top guys that were in the East 10 fun events and realized that I actually do possess the skill to be good at this sport. And then I just started following FD and some of the Pro 2 guys and stuff like that. And, uh, I was like, you know, I, I would like to be a professional at this. That would be fun to be able to drive a car for the rest of my life. And yeah, you don't make a ton of money doing it. I mean, sometimes you can, I guess, but you're doing what you love doing every weekend at the track and you're also getting paid to do it. So, um, I guess in some cases you're paid some cases <laughs> people just take losses, but yeah, You know, there's always that dream and that somehow became my dream out of just going to a year's worth of events. So I was like, well, we'll prep the car. And when we, when we get it there, we'll, we'll compete. And the car was finally there. I, I planned on doing it last year, but funds fell short. And like I, I proposed to my now wife and we were starting to put money toward a wedding instead of drifting and, Totally I was like, mistake. okay, that's fine. No. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, I, I just uh, started, you know, we, we got the wedding done and we said, you know, okay, this is our year. We can compete this year. And so we decided to do it. And uh, so far, so good. I'm happy with the results. Awesome. Do you have any, do you have many people helping you out uh, for like the actual event days? Uh, any crew people, any other drifters? Yeah, uh, well, uh, let's see. I don't know if you know um, Rick Geyer. I don't know. Uh, or Stephen Johnstone. Uh, both of those are local guys here, but they go out to most of the East 10 events, and they're helping me out as well as my brother-in-law. My wife's helping out. My dad's helping out. And uh, a couple other guys kind of have been switching off and on from each event from the East 10 crew. So That sounds um, great. Yeah, we got a pretty good 
pretty good team. Everybody is pretty knowledgeable of the drift scene. So, um, I mean, they know what a tire looks like when it needs to be changed <laughs> and how to torque this one to this spec and, Hey, I need you to run this line here and run that line there. And they're, they're all pretty knowledgeable, which is definitely a good thing to have. So yeah, full crew setup. If you have someone even helping spot you when you're out on the track to help you know what corners you're cutting too close or not close enough and what's a better line to be running. Right. Um, talking about the funds, do you have any sponsors currently? Oh yeah. Um, and I, I say that because I, looking back, like whenever I first started my program last year, um, I was like, ah, there's no way that a little dinky team like me is going to have any sponsors, but we ended up with a, a, a lot full of them. Um, <laughs> and I mean, like I told, you know, drifting pro am I'm, I'm super fortunate to, to have the people behind me that, that chose to jump in and help. And I mean, I don't think it's a, if you're a guy like me that there's not a whole lot of funds to put towards something like this, they're definitely a lot of help, but yeah. they're not necessary, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we got a lot. We got shoot. I think we've got like eight or 10 sponsors this year. Awesome. It's helping us out. So yeah, yeah we fantastic. got a good crew. Yeah. That can definitely help uh, keep you going, especially whenever, anything starts to fall apart and you just didn't plan to have, you know, expenses pop up that you weren't planning for at all. And right. It's like, okay, this can either be a nightmare real quick or things we can keep going smoothly. Just don't want that to happen again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We've had some of those moments, but luckily we've got a good team and we're able to fix it pretty quickly. So awesome. I know you mentioned that uh, you got engaged last year. I've been checking out some of the the social media presence that you have because it seems like you have quite a bit of working with different media and uh, trying to get your journey out there. Um, how is would you say that's helped out a lot along the journey or helped you meet more people through social media? Oh yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I didn't realize how how big of a part of a program that social media is until. Like I just started, I started following professionals, um, pro two drivers and pro drivers and seeing how much feedback they got on their posts. Um, so I was like, well, maybe I just need to up my game a little bit on my social media. So, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been, I've been posting a lot of red line enthusiast pictures. Um, Chris, Chris has been helping me out this year. He's we're labeling him as a sponsor for the year. Cause he's, you know, we're putting him on the car. He gets all of our pictures at any event that he's at. And he allows me to post them on social media. Awesome. Therefore I have good media for social media. <laughs> as before I was like taking my selfie pictures with my camera phone and like, Oh look, I'm at a drift event and nobody wants to see that crap. They want to see nice edited, good quality pictures. And that's what draws them into you. So, yeah, I would, I would definitely say that the social media thing has helped out a lot. Um, I've met a ton of people through social media. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I've seen, uh, it seems like you stay pretty constant on getting good videos up and just trying to stay active on keeping everyone engaged. So that looks fantastic. Yeah, I try. <laughs> I do fall short sometimes, especially when it comes to the YouTube thing. Because, I mean, about the only time I ever YouTube or uh, do vlogs is 
when we're at an event and I don't do an event every weekend, like Adam LZ or Taylor Ray or any of those guys. So it's like, well, what do I want to video? I don't want to video myself walking around the house all day. Nobody wants to see that. So. You mean you can't transport yourself halfway across the country every other weekend? What's wrong with you? Yeah, I could. You want to fund it? You can go with me. <laughs> that is the right frame of mind to have, it seems like, actually. Uh, if I had the money, that sounds like a plan, man. Um, it's definitely a way to, to create content, but it's also oh, yeah. a way to create a huge hole of debt for you. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I've been trying to do enough traveling for just doing media stuff, and I couldn't imagine toting a car everywhere. That would be rough. Uh, and a team. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, if you, so how well are you doing this year for the pro-am? Like, how's everything been going for it? Oh man, it's, uh, really well, but it's really weird how it's been happening. So uh, we've placed fifth in both events and we've qualified third in both events. Okay. Consistency. Um, Yeah, but it's weird. Like, okay. So first event we go to, uh, NSS and, we qualify third at our first ever competition. So I was stoked. Yeah. So then we all go to the, you know, the driver opening ceremony. I was like, woohoo, I'm in the, I'm in the driver's opening ceremony. This is a dream come true. Woohoo. And then we go back to the pits and then they call me up for my first. Well, I guess I had a buy run first, so I didn't really have to do anything there. I just had to say, I'm good to go. And they let me win that one. So when it came to, the next battle I had to battle the, the number one qualifier. So I was like, well, I'm going to lose. <laughs> this is going to be good. So we go out and I, he, he led first. We go out and I don't have the best follow run. Um, I wasn't proud of it. It was okay for what the situation was, but I wasn't happy with it. I was like, ah, he's going to beat me. Well, we get about halfway around the, I'm sure you've been to NSS yeah. many times. Well, we were going around where, like, once the track's finished, you go all the way around the track there. And we got about to where the front straight starts. And he was still smoking. So I was like, I know his tires are not still smoking. And then I started smelling oil. So we pull all the way back up to the start line. And he's, like, cutting his throat, saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And the guy at the start line was like, okay what's wrong and he said there's it's smoking i got i'm burning oil and long story short he had to take a five minute timeout. couldn't complete his repairs in five minutes so i advanced so i was like oh okay deal so then we go to top 16 um which we're doing double elimination so the guy i went up against he had lost his first battle won his second battle and won his... Oh, no. Okay, so he lost his first battle, won his second battle, and then he gets a chance to get back into the 16. Yeah. So I went up against him, and we beat him. And then we were in the top eight, and I got put up against one of the best guys of the series, and it was hands down his run. Like, he, he won that one. He ended up placing second that weekend, so I'm not very mad. Yeah, fair enough. So then we go to Z Max, qualified third. 
go out for our, we have a buy run and then we go out against number one qualifier again, who, if you watch YouTube, it was Matt, the ginge. Okay. I knew for a fact he was going to beat me. Like I was already looking at who I was going to go against in the loser's bracket. So I go for my follow. We get about three quarters of the way through and it's card eyes. <laughs> so he pulled the five minute timeout. Couldn't fix it in time. So I advanced. <laughs> so that's the second time that's happened. There's, and then there's we, a dangerous amount of consistency happening for you at these. I know, these 10 I know. Events, it sounds like. And then we go up against we go, you know, in our top sixteen battle, we go up against Joey Whitaker, who lost, I guess, his first battle, won in the second battle, and jumps back in. We have some of the best tandems in that one. Like I, I thought it was going to be a one more time. The, the judges just sat there and sat there and sat there and they were making up their minds. And eventually they finally came to me and like pointed at me. So I won. But then we move on to the grade eight and we ended up losing that battle to Steve Misko, who was the, I think he was the winner of round one okay, and ended up playing, placing fourth in this event. So both, both events, we got fifth. So <laughs> we currently fit fifth in points. <laughs> Nice. That's that's not too bad at yeah. all for a first program. I mean, hell. Um, so yeah. How many how many uh, pro two licenses do they give out at the end of the two? They're giving out three. Three. So if you were to yeah. be able to place high enough in the next two events and earn a pro two license, would you actually try and hit pro two next year, or do you think you'd still want more time running local events and everything to kind of prepare and get everything? Right. Yeah, I guess, honestly, I think, and I'm not really sure how to do this yet. I haven't really gotten that far into it, but I think if we get our, if we get our license, then I'm going to try and just put together an even better team of sponsors and try and go for it next year. I mean, um, you know, there's always that possibility that they're not going to be there. So then I'm going to have to take a year off, which is totally fine. We can run local events and, Sure. Get some more practice and dial in the car and stuff, but I would hate to take a year off if I had to put two license in my hand. I would want to go straight for it. I mean, I it would be a lot of good experience, I think. Without a doubt. So um, uh so just talking uh F D stuff, is there any certain driver that you root for in Pro One? Uh Chelsea Denofa for sure. Man, he is popular around here. Like there's a he, lot of People on one man of Denofa. He's just like, I have no I, issue I like, with Denofa. But everybody's like, Yeah, I love Forrest Wing, his style, it's awesome. Yeah. I I like him too. He's a great driver. His style is better than most of them out there, but Chelsea Denofa, like ooh. <laughs> and, and I think I think I've got a, a soft spot for Denofa because he's a beamer guy. Like I got you. he drove Pro Two, Pro One in a beamer. And he's still into Beamers, like has a school of drift and that's what he builds is BMWs for them to drive. And so I've gotten some feedback from him as far as my car goes. Oh, that's I've awesome. I've sent him kind of what I have and he's like, well, here's what you need to do here. Here's what you need to do for your caster. Here's what you need to do for your alignment and see if this helps. So it's really cool to be able to interact with a pro and him know exactly what you're working with. Whereas most pros don't know anything other than a 240 or a 350Z. So 
Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a cool guy and, you know, I watched a lot of his YouTube videos and he seems like he's, he's really humble and down to earth and a great driver, which there's a lot of good guys out there that I enjoy watching, but oh yeah, he, he's definitely one of my favorites. That's awesome. So speaking on the whole Beamer life is you have an E36, right? Yeah. Uh, was it your first drift car or is it just your current? Uh, well, it's the first one that actually made it to the track. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like bought an E36 for- like four, uh, well, no, I was about, it was probably a year after that first event that I went to. So it was like 2013. Okay. I bought a, I bought an E36 four door and planned on welding the diff on it and putting a hydro in it and I was a full-time student in college and trying to work full-time and I couldn't make ends meet. So I decided to do the stupid, make a stupid choice and move out on my own. So I had to have money for furniture. I had to sell my car. So, but yeah, this is the first one that's actually made it out to the track. Okay. It's rare that someone's actually able to compete in a pro-am even, I feel like, with their first drift car. I've seen so many... Like so many of the drivers I've met and everything that, you know, even if they've only been drifting for two or three years, they're on their third or fourth car just because, you know, minds change on power plants or they find a good deal for something that they'd rather have and everything else. So that's pretty awesome that you've actually gotten to so far stick with, uh, realistically one car. If you were never able to hit the track with the, with the actual first one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure we'll make a <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sure we'll make a chassis change eventually, but I don't. I mean that my car is still straight. Um, <laughs> it's it does what I need it to do. It's got a great power plant, and I wouldn't change anything. The only reason I would change it is just for looks. So, for your car, is, is it the BMW straight six, or what do you have in it for engine? Yeah, so we uh, we kept the. BMW power plant and we basically got a 2.8 BMW engine on M52 and we stroked it out to a 3.1 and used some M3 parts here and there, some forged internals and ARP head studs, schematic keg gasket, and then slapped a nice little turbo on it and created about 500 horsepower. Hell yeah. Um, So did were you drifting it before turboed and everything else or were you, or did, was, did you just start out from scratch being like, okay, I'm going to build up something powerful <clears> and <throat> start out. Yeah. So the, the first year I was drifting, we were on the stock power plant. So it was making like 175, 180 horse. Um, <clears throat> and we ran that one, uh, the f- whole first year we ended up rebuilding the head or the top end once. Um, and just ran that one until we got the turbo setup built. Um, so it was about a year and a half on that stock power plant. And then we decided to go with the turbo setup. Um, so this is our second year running the turbo setup. Okay. I'm sure that made, uh, about 10 worlds worth of a difference of going from sub 200 to 500 turbo horsepower. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, a difference in power. Uh, you got to figure out how to dial grip in and then you've also got to open your wallet for some more tires. And, <laughs> yeah. 
There's a lot of changes. <laughs> what width tires are, are you running on it? Uh, right now we're running 265s. Okay. Is it so. 255 or 265 that's a Pro 2 limit even? Uh, 255 is the Pro 2. We, okay. Louis, we, because the rule book was implemented so late in the off season, he allowed our series to run with 265s. But next year we have to go to like the Formula Drift Pro Am rule book, which won't allow us to go over a 255. I got you. Yeah, so, I'm wondering how close the pro ams are going to be getting to actual pro two restrictions on cars of uh, safety standards uh, and you know weight limits and all the other stuff that they've been bringing out for pro two, especially. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of glanced through the because he Louis already posted up the 2020 yearbook or yearbook talking about school. <laughs> you get to be in so, the yearbook. <laughs> the 2020 rule book um and it, i want to say it mimics pro 2 um do you know if like, i mean i don't I, I don't know if they're going to make you add ballast and stuff to weigh your car down but yeah uh, as far as all the safety regulations go and your tire width and stuff like that i, I think it it pretty well mirrors the the pro 2 rule book it's great to see just because of not wanting people to get hurt, but I know some safety equipment, like it definitely adds up over time, like Hans devices and everything else that, you know, once used, you have to replace. Right. Um, that I've just seen people be like, but at the same time, if you're going to be the person that's mad at having to spend the money on safety stuff, then I guess you're competing at a pro-am for no reason anyway, if you have no interest in getting into pro two. Right. Yeah. I don't know that, I don't know that the Pro M series will require you to have a Hans, which is kind of fortunate because those things are not cheap. Most definitely. But, yeah, I would like to have one just for safety reasons, but sure. To champagne balling on a beer budget. <laughs> Completely understood. Uh, so, I guess depending on how this year goes and everything, let's say you end up having to do another year of a uh, Pro Am. Are there any big changes that you'd like to be making to your car over uh, the break of uh, between series uh, between seasons? Um, I'd say if we don't make it uh, Pro Two this year, then I don't know that we'll make a whole lot of adjustments. I do want to maybe upgrade the suspension a little bit to get more adjustment, um, and then maybe mess with the turbo setup. Maybe just refresh the whole turbo setup, new turbo wastegate. Uh, blow up valve, uh, new intercooler, stuff like that, just okay. so that we know it's all fresh. Um, our our biggest enemy right now is fighting boost. Um, we're losing boost when when we need it there. So huh. falling falling out of boost is not what's cool. Fair enough. Um, um, yeah. So. Do you have any ideas if it's you know turbo size or just not a fit? Like just uh, was it an older turbo that you picked up? Like just. Yeah, it's not a it's not a new turbo. I mean, it's not an old one either, but sure. it's it's probably I would I would guesstimate that it's a four to five year old turbo. Okay. Um, but uh, I don't I don't know if it's something just the turbo is it's a it's a Garrett thirty seventy six, so it's okay. not a huge turbo. Um, but I think it's all due to how everything is this, like the manifold and the way that we have the wastegate pressure set through the. Uh, boost gate or the boost controller boost controller 
and stuff like that. So I, I think we can definitely work it out. We just have to put a little bit more R and D into it and maybe put a little bit more money into it, which we're not standalone right now. So it's kind of hard for us to do any tuning to make it better, but sure. um, I think something like a tune or something like that could definitely take care of it, but it's going to be thousands of dollars. So, yeah. yeah, it's, it's never cheap, especially when you're trying to get, you know, that, that last little bit out of your car to get everything running. Right. Yeah. And I, I think uh, also it has to do with me. Uh, I'm not used to beating and banging on my car to get it to, push forward where like, you know, clutch kicking all always helps with boost dropping boost. And I'm not used to doing that. I'm used to just set it and forget it. Like I got you. don't, don't beat on it and all that. So I, I got to get that out of my mind. I got to just start driving it as hard as I can and stuff like that. So you're just going to, I don't know. You're just going to have to try and find someone that's wanting to get rid of an anti-lag system. And <laughs> yeah, pretty much i think that would uh cure all your uh problems including having a wallet um, yeah you will probably have to sell it in order to get one of those yeah sell the uh, car for any like system <laughs> <laughs> oh man so uh was there anything else um for you wanting to get into uh, a bmw e36 or what was the want behind going with that chassis uh, one with that chassis, uh, one reason you can buy them dirt cheap or at the time you could, um, they're kind of on a, on a rise just because they're getting so popular now. But, um, I, I wanted it cause it was cheap. I wanted it because I, I've had one previously as a daily driver and there's so many cool things you can do to them as far as aesthetics, uh, some of the aftermarket parts for them. They definitely have a big um, aftermarket community for them. Yeah. And it's only getting bigger. Um, especially now that the chassis is growing, it's getting more popular. Um, but I've been around BMWs my whole life. So to stray away from something I already know would be kind of shoot myself in the foot. So, yeah. um, that's why I didn't really choose to go with a 240 and, um, I, I just wanted something that I was familiar with and that I had done a lot of research on in the past. And well, it, I just think also they look really <laughs> aggressive. So, but that's just me. That's sweet. Um, so I always wonder with, uh, younger drivers out there, are you uh, into any of the racing sims or any of the video game car culture at all? Yeah, when you asked me to come over to Facebook, I actually was on a set of Corsa. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm sitting at my rig right now, but oh, full racing sim setup. Yeah, I've got a like a built uh, sim setup where you're sitting down in an actual car seat, down on the floor, and pedals are all mounted up, shifters beside me, handbrake. Nice. With a D25. Have a favorite track on there? <clears throat> no. Uh, I like to run most of the like the FD tracks. Okay. I feel like it's fun to just get out there and hold her wide on FD tracks. But... <laughs> See what kind of angle you can get. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you play online at all? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, when I can. I mean, I'm actually... 
I've been on it quite a bit lately because this Saturday we're actually going to try and get our VDC or our virtual drift championship license to try and compete online. Awesome. Um, I know some of the, the pro guys do. I think Alec Honnadale does and uh, some other pros are on there doing that. So they're only going to give out 25, I believe. But there's been like 330 people <laughs> apply. So. so it should be a good competition uh, then, it sounds like. Yeah, um, I don't think I'm going to get it, honestly. That's, I don't think the odds are in my favor. But I don't know. We'll see. That's what I'm training to do. So That's sweet, though. We'll see how it goes. So have you considered doing any video game streaming? I mean, with wanting to build up the um social media presence that seems like it would be almost a next step if you could especially like if you could do that especially while on the rig yeah yeah um i actually tried to do some streaming a couple weeks ago uh straight from my youtube channel and screen capture what i was doing but it just caused so much lag and gotcha. uh, wasn't uploading correctly so i think my pc is it's frying itself when it's trying to do all that but <laughs> I did the other day, I did happen to do a little bit of screen capture, not with YouTube, but with uh, the NVIDIA experience. Yeah. And I screen captured quite a bit of stuff and also used my camera that I vlog with to video my hand movements and stuff. So um, I'll probably be putting that up on the YouTube channel soon. That's cool. But that's probably as close as streaming goes. I don't want to be doing it on that until I, get, I can afford a better rig. So. Yeah. Completely understood. Um, That's expensive, man. <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, it, it's cra- <laughs> it's crazy for all the money into tech and everything nowadays. Um, yeah. Says yeah, doing media. I walk around with a camera that I'm just like, yeah, that costs more than this 240. I feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and then I do IT for a living, so. Any computer oh, okay. stuff, I typically know exactly what someone means. <laughs> um, well, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. So if you ever if you need any help with figuring out what upgrades to do to your PC, just hit me up. Um, do you are you good with figuring out how to come up with the money for those upgrades? Uh drugs. Typically, selling <laughs> drugs, you will find all the money you need. You might spend some time behind bars, but you will have money, and that's yeah. what matters. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Um, so before you got into drifting, were you in any, any sort of automotive or sport culture, uh, dirt bike, drag racing, anything else? Yeah. Um, I used to race motocross, okay. uh, started when I was like 13 and did it up until I was probably 16. Um, I did it just about every weekend. And then after 16, I started just I had my license, so on the weekends I would go hang out with friends and all this stuff and go riding occasionally, but um, it wasn't until I started building the drift car that I sold all of that stuff to try and fund this hobby as opposed <laughs> to that one. So motocross was a big part of my life. Um, I always did want to do the car stuff, but it was so expensive and yeah. opposed to, you know, when you blow up an engine on a dirt bike, you have a piston to replace and instead of six or eight. Yeah. So it's a little cheaper to do the motocross thing, but it was a lot more dangerous. For sure. 
Um, it seems like two of the biggest lead-ins for drifting are motocross and skateboarding. Like yeah. Almost anyone I've talked to, those were something they were in into high school that then le- led to them being into drifting. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, I, I've noticed that too. Like a lot of a lot of the pro guys say that that was their background was motocross. So it's like, wow, must be a trend. Yeah, I, gu- I guess since you're st- you're sliding on corners for a lot of it as well. So and the whole competition aspect of it of people getting you know competition gets steep when you're in high school and trying to be seen by everyone and just having to win an event. Um, I can definitely see how I right. would want to still lead into an extreme sport where you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, do you have any big events that you're planning on hitting up this year, like import Alliance or anything that's not just a uh, part of the pro-am series? Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, I, I wanted to do the grid life thing, but I think I, I missed the signups. I kept watching and kept watching and kept watching for it to pop up. And, um, I asked somebody about it. I don't know, maybe two months ago. And it's like, yeah, I wish they'd hurry up and throw up the applications. And they're like, dude, they've already been done for a month now. I'm like, really? Oh, so man. that's out. I would really like to do grid life, but, um, I've never been to one of the import Alliance, uh, drift events. I went to and the Bowling not, Green one last year. It was pretty fun. Yeah, we almost did the Bowling Green one. I think it was two years ago, um, but we ended up not. I don't know. I don't remember what the scenario was, but I would say it was probably money yeah. as always. But yeah, we we were gonna do one of them, and I decided not to. I'd like to do the Atlanta one. Yeah. I've heard that but, one is huge. <laughs> yeah. I'm just afraid with stuff like that. Like you see how many people are registering for them and it's guaranteed no seat time. So that's another reason why I kind of don't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, travel all that way and spend all this money and you get to drive 10 laps. So I can definitely understand that. Um, I wish <sighs> there's good and bad with it. Um, for certain events because like LS fest at Bowling green, you have drifting, but it's practice and then competition. So you only are pulling out, you know, major drivers. Like you're not seeing any of the locals just coming out to have fun where like in Alliance, you can pull out, you know, you'll have big drivers, you'll have smaller, just someone who drove their car to the event and just wanting to have fun kicking it sideways and, uh, you just have a, it's a very dynamic, um, attendance for the drivers at one of those versus just people who are going to be on it. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it, it can definitely be fun either way. Uh, are there any of the, any smaller events you're planning on hitting up? Uh, I don't know if there's any East 10 events that are happening anytime soon that aren't part of the pro-am or, um, I haven't really found any that I particularly want to get to. Uh, I've been doing at the pro-am events. They do the one day where it's pro-am and the next day it's a fun day. I've done that for both rounds. Okay. Uh, just to, I don't know, go out. We're already there. Why not? So, um, doesn't hurt to get some time. Right. Yeah. I I mean, the only other things that I think I'm going to do this year, uh, I think there's a monster truck demo 
um, Bristol on the 13th. We may do that depending on who Louie allows to go do that. He hasn't really released any details yet, but that's not really an event. I guess it's just a go out to the monster truck show, put on a show and get to meet fans and sign autographs and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, really the program stuff is what we're focused on. That's what our budget's on. So it's, it's kind of hard for us to venture off and do a bunch of, yeah, you know, fun, fun days, but, uh, we've done some of the, some of the recent ones like chill Howie, which was an awesome event. Tons of people come out to it. And is that out in Knoxville? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, James Dean's E92 BMW is pretty, pretty nasty. Um, I guess Christoph's Blues ran the same chassis. That thing That's was amazing last year. Definitely a sick car. I wouldn't mind having one of those, but I don't really know. I mean, the Mustangs are definitely one of the things that I've really liked over the past couple of years. Um, I don't know if it's just what Bond Gittin and Chelsea are doing with theirs, but those things are pretty nasty. For sure. Uh, it, they definitely lead towards a very ad- aggressive drifting style. Right. Um, where it's not like the kind of subtle, just get it in the right direction and not as much drama, but definite skill. It's no, you're going to see what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I just kind of like, I think I would like to maintain the whole, you don't see this everywhere kind of car. Like I don't want to run an LS 240 and pro. Like if, if I was a pro, I wouldn't want to run an LS 240. I wouldn't run or run a S 15s are starting to become a little bit more popular. I think Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad, a bad car to get into, so you but you just want to be I, Osbo out there in a weird Corolla hatchback that no one else is. Yeah, gonna man. Make. Throw me in a, a Toyota Previa van and <laughs> put a two J in it or a, a something cool and i'll run it i want to be kind of an oddball which eventually will be obsolete you'll never be able to be an oddball eventually but like taylor hole running a cadillac at is it atsv yeah atsv you really never see those except for now this year is it pro austin meeks has one or pro one i forget if he's pro one or pro two i i think he's pro one this year okay yeah, so you have but two yeah. Cadillac ATSVs somehow, which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, and like Travis Reader in an electric Camaro, like wow. And oddly enough, on the same platform as the ATSs. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, something cool like that would be what I would strive for. Which it requires a lot more R and D, of oh, course, because yeah. you're having to one off every part. So. Yeah, it, it seems rough for anyone out there that's trying to do their own thing that they don't have, you know, granted, plenty of the stuff costs, the cost is unreal for things like WiseFab and everything else where it's just steering angle kits and things like that, that they make a huge difference, but, yeah. you know, spent, you know, dropping five grand on suspension is not always the easiest thing, um, right. especially for people starting out, but to not even have that as an option and just be like, okay, well, I have a Fiat 500 and we need to kick it sideways. Yeah. Uh, who makes parts for it? No one. Okay. Yeah. We're off to a start. 
You're going to have to, if you're going to mess with the rear end, you're going to have to order parts for a Ford Taurus year nine, 1999 to 2002. The front end is going to be a 240 front end. Yeah. And the brakes, you're going to have to find them from a Jaguar. And you just had to piece this thing together. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of welding, fabricating, and cutting everything out that's currently there. Yeah. Oh, man. So... dream setup would it be to be competing in pro one uh just fully sponsored racer or what would you want to actually be getting out of the sport yeah i mean i would love to eventually if i mean i know it's a dream but i would love to eventually be pulled into a team um i wouldn't mind running my own team and you know doing my own thing but it's always good to have like when Vaughn getting pulled in Chelsea to Nova, it's like a well-established team. He knows this car, put Chelsea in it and it's going to be a riot. Um, I, w- I wouldn't mind having a platform or people who have already been in this side of it, as far as the business side of it goes and jump in to help them as opposed to building my own brand and keep building, keep building, have all this money in it and not, make any money i yeah. guess whereas if you have this big established team that's already well known and you become a part of it not only do you join a well-established team but you establish yourself and do more for that team i guess it's hard to explain i guess Everyone the way i'm thinking wins. about it the way it's coming out of my mind yeah just get into a setup so, where everyone wins. You get to compete and do your thing and everything else is already a smooth running machine. Right. Yeah. I mean, show up to the track and your car is prepped. You <laughs> haven't touched it since the last event. And it's, that would be a weird know, feeling. <laughs> it would be awesome. Like, okay, we left Long Beach. Now I'm not going to see my car for two weeks and we're going to hit Orlando. And when we get to Orlando, the car is going to be prepped, ready. Tire pressure is going to be set. Everything's going to be torqued. My radio that wasn't working at the last event will be working this time. He's you know, that would be an drives. awesome feeling. Yeah. So that's, oh, that's where I would like to be, but I know that it takes a lot of dedication and hard work. So I'm not going to be mad if it doesn't happen. <laughs> Understood completely. Well, um, is there anything else that you're wanting to chat about on here or anything else that's going on for you this year? No, man. I mean, it's, it's your show, whatever you want to talk about. It's, fine with me but i don't i don't have anything that i fair enough need to add i guess well uh i guess we'll call it then for tonight uh i greatly appreciate having you on it's uh always good to chat with people competing in pro-am and just trying to build up a bigger community out there for everyone that's watching driving or doing anything really to to go with the sport yeah man i appreciate you having me on Thanks, dude. All right.